wants to be persecuted. So what could Jesus mean when he says that when we are, we're blessed? Here's Pastor David. So, the prophets of the Old Testament, from Abel to Zechariah, John the Baptist, Paul, Peter, Stephen, Silas, James, uh, a Christian woman named Perpetua, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Catherine of Alexandria, Magdalene of Nagasaki, and countless, countless others. It would take me all day to, to name them all off to you. And what all these people have in common is that they have been persecuted. They were persecuted for being followers of Christ. And often many of them were murdered, were killed for being followers of Christ. And of course, the one they follow the one that they were disciples of, Jesus Christ, was persecuted and died on a Roman cross for us. And persecution has not stopped to this day. According to a, a ministry called Open Doors, uh, they have a website, opendoors.org, in the past year, there were over 245 million Christians living in places where they experienced high levels of persecution. There were 4,305 Christians killed for their faith in the past year. Not Christians who died, Christians who were killed for their faith in the past year. 1,847 churches and other Christian buildings have been attacked in the past year. 3,150 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned for their faith. And persecution will not stop until Jesus Christ returns. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? We've been in a series called Right Side Up. And the reason we did this series and called it Right Side Up is because it's about Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew. It's found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's a lot of the, a lot of the more famous teachings of Jesus are, are in that section. But what it is is Jesus telling us what kingdom life looks like. And what we find as we, as we study it, as we learn from it, is that kingdom life is, is the opposite of the culture and the world and the life that, that we're sort of told is what we should live. And, and so what we find is that the world is upside down and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is taking it and saying, this is what it looks like to be right side up. And so many of the things that we read are, are sort of counterintuitive. We've been going through a section, that the first part of it is what they call the Beatitudes. And it's just a bunch of blessings that, that God, that Jesus is giving. Blessed, blessed, you've probably heard a lot of these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the, those who mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those, uh, the peacemakers, right? The pure in heart. And we're going to get to the last one today um, that's in that section. And it is, it is not a particularly fun one for most people. So let's open our Bibles. If you have your Bible, if not, if you can get it on your phone or it'll be up here on this big screen if you can see that. Um, and hopefully you can. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5 and we are going to start with verse 10 and read through verse 12. It says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this about Jesus, but he's not um, a guy who sells a lot of cheap comfort. He's not a person who tries to make things sound really easy. 
He's, he's no liar. He just kind of tells the truth. Uh, people do like rewards. And he tells us, hey, you can have great rewards in heaven. And that's great. People like that. But the evidence would say that people uh, have a very difficult time thinking about rewards that are very far away in the future. Right? They like rewards, but they like rewards now. People invest in, in all kinds of things um, and, and uh, you know, put their money into stuff hoping to get a return. But very few of those things are people willing to wait very long for. So about 52% of Americans, according to the internet, which is always true, is always right, right? According to the internet, about 52% of people in the United States own some amount of stock. And it used to be that you would buy stock, and the, and the idea was a long-term hold. You'd hold it for a really long time and hope that like, when you retired, you would sell that stock and it would be an investment. But the fact is, is that the average time that a person like you or me would hold a particular stock now is 45 days. That's how long people hold stock because they're looking for rewards much quicker than maybe they used to. We don't like to wait a long time for rewards. If you want to go kind of the extreme side, you know, 52% of people own stock, but 64% of people gambled in the year 2015, okay? Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of people who were looking for kind of a really quick return, right? These are, these are kind of an indicator of how long we want to wait for rewards, Right. If you if you buy stock, you're probably going to spend a few pennies to a, to a few hundred bucks. If you go gambling and buy a lottery ticket, it might be a couple bucks. Blackjack hand might be a few bucks. Right. And the time that you're waiting for either of those things to produce their reward, about 45 days is the average for stock, and and seconds to a couple days for most gambling uh, type stuff. So what we want as people is we want rewards that come quickly and that don't cost very much. Right? That's what people want. We want, to, we want to pay very little and see a return in a very short time. That's how we as humans sort of operate. But here Jesus is telling us that we've got to pay this extremely high price persecution for eternal rewards. Right? Great is your reward in heaven. Right? Now, as, as we understand that, that's, that doesn't mean that not until you die and get to heaven will you experience that reward. You experience the, the life of the kingdom of God now. But He's saying, look, there's this long-term eternal reward. But for most of us, honestly, the idea of feeling like we're blessed or we have a blessing because we're persecuted, that's a tough pill to swallow. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard to swallow when Jesus comes in and says, you're blessed if you're persecuted. You're blessed if you're persecuted. You should rejoice, right? You should have this great joy over these heavenly rewards. And unless you believe in Jesus Christ the one who rose from the dead, and you believe that there is an eternity and that you're an eternal person, and you believe that there are heavenly rewards, you're probably not going to buy into this. You're probably not going to buy into this. But for the believer, for the Christ follower, we have to have an eternal perspective. We have to have an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective is essential in dealing with any difficulty, whether it's persecution, whether we lose a loved one, whether we're sick, whether we're having financial difficulties, whatever it is, if we don't have an eternal perspective, we're just not going to be able to, to handle the difficulties that come in life as believers, right? We have to have that perspective that says all things are going to work out. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if we understand and believe that, 
And we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when we go through persecution or suffering or difficulties because we have an eternal view, right? The, the fact that we have to suffer some things now is not as big of a deal if we understand the, eternity, the eternal rewards that we have coming. It's not nearly as difficult. A lot of people will uh, like lift weights or, or do sit-ups or, or some people I have heard will even run when no one is chasing them, right? No one. There's no one behind them. There's not an ice cream truck to catch up with. Nothing. They just go out of their house and run and come back to their house, right? That happens. But they do these things for the very temporary rewards they get to their health. And trust me when I tell you, those rewards are very temporary. I have lifted enough weights, run enough miles, and choked down enough protein shakes to tell you. And I've been in great shape in the past. And this is what I look like now. So <laughs> let me just tell you, the rewards are temporary. And some of the younger people are very depressed now. I mean, this never stops. They're going to keep making me run. We will go through all kinds of, of temporary uh, pain for temporary rewards, but Jesus is calling us to face persecution for eternal rewards, for eternal rewards. And here's the thing about eternal rewards. They will not be taken away because they are eternal rewards. They're not temporary. They don't have an expiration date. When you die, they don't go away. Okay. When you get old, you're probably not going to be in amazing shape and have a six pack and, and all the rest of that stuff, right? Unless you're Larry. Is Larry here? I don't know. He was probably in the first service. You're probably not going to look amazing when you're super old, right? Uh, someday you're going to die and whatever stock you bought and whatever rewards you got from that is going to be spent by your snot-nosed kids who don't know what to do with money and they probably already live in your house in your basement. Anyway, not that exciting, right? But eternal rewards are eternal. They're eternal. So you can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you have eternal rewards. Now, the first uh, and the last of the Beatitudes have the same promise with them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is an incredible, an incredible reward, an incredible thing to think about. It's amazing what a reward that we would have the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's what Jesus is saying is he's saying, look, and, he, and, he, and I think he closes the Beatitudes, opens and closes them with this bookend for a reason. If you will live like this, the things we've been studying for the last weeks, if you will live like this, you will be living like the kingdom and your reward will be the kingdom. You will be blessed with the kingdom of God right now, not just in the future sometime. You're living as a kingdom person and you're gonna see kingdom results from that living. But it's hard, right? It's hard to do. It's hard to be poor in spirit and to mourn and to be merciful and to be pure in heart and, and, to, and to be persecuted and be happy about it. Those are hard things to do. And some of us in this room may be wondering, what would persecution look like for us? We know what it's like, you know, in, the, in, in these other countries that I talked about, 245 million Christians living with high levels of persecution, with serious persecution in their lives. But for them, it's going to jail, getting their church burned down, uh, being murdered, things like that. And for us in the Portland area and, and most people who would listen to this that, you know, who watch online later or whatever, who live in the United States, they're probably not facing those things. 
Probably no one is coming to their house and taking them to jail because they're a Christian. Um, but there is still persecution. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to I kind of um, just address what Jesus is saying when he talks about being persecuted. Uh, let, me, let me start by telling you what Jesus is not referring to, okay? What he's not referring to. Uh, there are two things that Jesus tells us in this passage that are, are what we will be persecuted for. First one is persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. That means that you're being persecuted because you are living a righteous kingdom of God life, and other people do not like that. And so they come at you and they persecute, whatever that may be. The second one is persecution for Jesus' sake. That is persecution because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and other people know it, and they reject Jesus Christ, and so they reject you. Those are the two kinds of persecution. But Jesus is not talking about all kinds of persecution. Some people think they are experiencing persecution all the time. They have a persecution complex. Do not have a persecution complex, okay? That is not a godly thing to have a persecution complex. Not everything is a persecution, okay? And if that's you today, and you're like, yeah, I feel like I get persecuted all the time for everything, I've got some great news for you. You ready? Not everything is about you. Not everything is about you, okay? Always thinking everything, everyone is persecuting you is actually just a form of self-absorption and self-centeredness. That's what it is. Here's the thing that may set you free. You know what most people are usually thinking about? Themselves. Themselves. They're not particularly concerned with you because they are self-absorbed and self-centered. Okay? They don't have time to think about you. It is actually people's self-will, self-centeredness, self-absorption that causes the real kind of persecution that Christ is talking about here. Okay? The Pharisees who persecuted and put Jesus to death, it was their desire for themselves it was their desires to remain powerful and popular and in control that led to the persecution and murder of Jesus Christ. That's what it was. It was about their own selfishness. For those that would persecute you for righteousness' sake, it's their own desire to do evil and not to get called on it. It's their own desire to do evil and not have that evil revealed that causes people to persecute for righteousness' sake. When, you, when your friends all want to go do that thing, that you know you ought not to do, and you stand up in righteousness and say, I can't be a part of this. Can't be part of this, fellas. Can't be part of this, ladies. Can't do it. You might get some flack. You might get some persecution for that because they don't like the fact that you're bringing up and saying out loud that the thing that everybody wants to do is actually a bad thing that they ought not to do. They don't like that. That's where persecution for righteousness' sake comes about. It's really not about you. It's about them and what they want. Now, there's another way that that persecution comes, and that's, that's from a twisted worldview, a twisted view of morality. Paul the Apostle persecuted the church, chasing people from, from town to town, putting them in prison. He stood, and, and they put their coats at his feet so he could witness the martyrdom of the first martyr, Stephen, who was stoned to death. Paul was there approving of that. He was a persecutor of Christians because his worldview had gotten so out of whack that he thought that to be a righteous guy, and he was very concerned with being a righteous guy, meant that he had to persecute Christians. It wasn't until he had an experience with Jesus Christ that changed that for him. But his persecution was about actually thinking he was doing what was moral. And there are people who are like that now. Okay, I told you that the world and the culture is upside down according to Christ. It's upside down. That means that some of the morals, some of the things that people think are right, are going to be upside down. And if you come to them with a right-side-up view, you will face persecution. Right now, uh, one of the things that's going on 
that, that I think uh, believers uh, are, are should and are standing against is that, uh, you know, young children, as young as like four years old, who say, I want to be a boy or I want to be a girl when they're, a, when they're the opposite of that, are being given powerful hormone drugs. As young as like four years old. At that age, given powerful hormone drugs to, to make them more like the other gender, to stop puberty from happening and so on. Ma- massive, massive uh, medical decisions being made for very small children. Now, if you come and say, I'm not sure that's a good idea. I'm not sure that's loving a child well. Guess what? You're going to be persecuted. They're going to call you a bigot. They're going to say that you're, that you're unloving, that you're unhelpful, that you don't, that you don't love these children. That you don't, and, the, and the truth is, they're wrong and you're right. But you will experience persecution. If you have a, a, view, a biblical view of sexuality, let's say that we think that the Bible is, is, the, is the model, is telling us what we ought to do with our sex lives, and, and that God's creation and what he's shown us, it shows us how we ought to be moral, how we ought to operate within the world of sexuality and so on, you're going to be persecuted if you believe those things. If you believe that, that what you ought to do with your money and that what people ought to do with their money is make sure that they are generously giving to the poor and to the oppressed and to the work of the kingdom of God, you're going to be persecuted. That's not what people want to spend their money on. You'll be persecuted. If you believe that there is a right and that right is right and there's a wrong and that wrong is wrong, regardless of what anybody feels about it or what anybody else thinks, that those things are just true, that they flow from the nature of God, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. If you will not affirm everyone's my truth, right? Your truth. Live your truth. If you won't do that, you're going to experience some persecution. You'll be persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what will happen. But there's more. But wait, there's more. If you believe that the Bible is true, if you believe it's accurate, if you believe it's the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture, that they've written these things down, that has come to us substantially in the form that they wrote it, and that, that, that what's in here is true and is our guide for how we ought to live, it is, it is a way that we communicate with God and know Him, is through His Word. If you believe that, you're going to be persecuted. You just are. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, as he said he is, and if you believe that no one comes to the Father but by Jesus Christ, which he said, you will be persecuted. It's going to happen. So, welcome to church. Congratulations. You're going to get some persecution. Now, let me be really clear about something. I hope that you're listening very closely. If you say these things about what you believe in Jesus or you say these things about what you believe about morality, in, a, in any way that is hypocritical, arrogant, harsh, unloving, uncaring, unmerciful, or self-important, then the persecution that you'll experience will not be your persecution for righteousness, but you'll be being persecuted because you're a jerk. Okay, That's got nothing to do with Jesus. That's got nothing to do with him. And it shows that you don't understand the gospel, and it shows that you don't understand who you are and how much you need Jesus Christ. We speak the truth, but we speak it in love. We don't speak it in a condemning way. We speak it in mercy. We speak it in love. We live out love, and we express ourselves in mercy. But at the same time, we do not compromise the truth. You want to be sure and listen to part two of this message There's a lot more important truth to help us figure all this out. Until then, 
let me invite you to come see us here at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll look for you next time here on Contemplate.